bedridden and high as a kite on painkillers. I was all off my, I was off my chops. Um, my bloody back went out, so you know, old man syndrome. How's that? Yeah, I wouldn't know, mate. Not I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I'm I'm flipping you the bird, uh, just in an audio form. <laughs> that's good. Well, look, uh, we, we had a few few bits and pieces we're going to talk about today. I reckon we kick off with uh, the the news, I guess, and the spectacular news um, that we've actually got a bunch of stuff coming back with the NRL, AFL, UFC, all this stuff going on. Um, I mean, there's plenty of also other stuff to go on, but with the NRL kicking off 28th of May, Bondi, I see that the Cowboys have a home game. Yeah, mate. Uh, fantastic news for the Cowboys. So they've had a pretty average start to the season. So uh, this should be a little bit of a, a warm-up game, so to speak, against the Titans. <laughs> yeah. um, should go out there, give them a bit of a licking and... Um, teach them how to win again. So um, it should be really interesting to see how they go. Uh, but I think all teams will be facing the same sort of difficulty going for, um, you know, trying to put together home, uh, like training and that kind of stuff in a disjointed fashion to go out onto the field um, with full strength sides. It's going to be a little bit of a teething issue. It's There's going to be a little bit of funniness there at the start, but... Um, yeah, I think it'll take about 20 minutes. I'll be back in the swing of things, and um, you'll see those error rates decline and uh, the boys get back into their work. Yeah, that's true, mate, and that'll be good for us because we normally uh, don't play the last 20 minutes, so hopefully if we don't play the last 20 minutes, we'll be right. <laughs> but, no, but it'll be interesting, though. They've got a bunch of sessions and stuff. I think it's the 28th of May that it kicks off, so we've got a bunch of games starting next Thursday, which is awesome. And then Cootsie, the AFL, not far behind, mate. Yeah, how good is that news that uh, Gil finally came out? And after hearing kind of nothing for a really long time, and he, I mean, he was pretty honest from the get-go and said we, we, you know, we won't hear anything until the end of May, but then came out and said that um, footy's going to kick off on the 11th of June with a a little bit still to be worked out. You feel that, um, you know, we're playing in empty stadiums again. Um, we've got... The South Australian WA clubs move into the Gold Coast to play home games effectively out of the Gold Coast. So it'll be, yeah, well and truly uh, great to see footy back, but well and truly different start to the season again, or restart to the season again. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the big things I was reading as well. They're actually allowing the eastern states to travel on game days. So that's that's, they're having like early wake-ups to travel. Um, to get there like super early on the day. So if they have to travel, that's where they're going to be. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. But at least without any crowds, it won't necessarily be like a home and away game like, as such. Like it won't be as bad. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. You're right. But I mean, the, but that actually it feeds into the question we'll talk about in a minute. Um, just seeing whether we think these sports are out of their minds for starting up again or what's going on. But uh, we'll talk about that in a tick. But the other one I was looking at, um, which is it's, it's brilliant because the players really want us to feel like the season has been going on the whole time. And they've entertained us first by, instead of playing footy, just doing a bunch of dumb crap. Um, so, you know, good on them. Um, and like, for example, now let, let's, let's have a look at this one. So we've got an AFL one, Cootsie. We've got, uh, what's his, it was uh, Stephen from, um, Jack Stephen from, uh, from Geelong. Uh, got stabbed in the chest, mate. Yeah, this is a bit of a weird one. It seems to be like no one really seems to either know or is going to publicise exactly what happened. It, it all I, I had a look at a few different articles and they tell you nothing other than he's recovering well in hospital after an alleged stab wound. 
Yeah. Yeah, that really doesn't tell you anything more than that. No, well, I mean, the only thing I was able to, to get from the news articles was that he refused to tell investigators twice who was responsible for it. So, weirds me out. I, I don't exactly know what's going on, but, I mean, I wish him the best, but apparently he's had some uh, mental health issues, which, geez, I, I mean, I, I, again, like, you know, you never want, um, you know, these bad sort of things to happen to, to players or to anyone, really, but it's just, you wonder, like, what's what's going to happen? I mean, with, with training camps coming around the corner in uh, probably about a week's time, you, you hope he's going to be fit or, or have, you know, not be too badly done by. It will be the first time I think we've ever seen on an injury sheet the injury report as stabbed. It's not hamstring or ACL or anything. It's, you know, recovering from stab wounds. I don't, I don't know how long or how, or how bad it is or how long the recovery on something like that is regardless. Oh, mate, no idea, no idea. But, I mean, maybe he's just trying to step up his game so he could look more like an NFL player. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> – oh, you touched on that, and we'll get into it with Wayne for the week, but it's very – it's NFL heavy, but um, without giving too much away, it's, it, it airs on that ever so slightly. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I'm pretty sure I know where you're going. It's fantastic. But And Bondi, mate, we've had a couple of NRL guys. We've had the anti-vaxxers, but I think that was last week. But apparently they're going to be eligible <laughs> to play. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Like, I understand that, you know, if you get the flu and COVID, then, you know, you're at a much higher risk of, you know, bad stuff happening. But to ban them from playing for not getting an elective vaccination, look, I'm not really on board with it. I see where they're coming from, but, I mean, I'd... I'd say about 70% of Australia doesn't get the flu vax. So um, there's that side of it. And then there's the why wouldn't you just do it so you can play? Um, So I think it's all a little bit stupid from both sides. But, um, yeah, definitely, you know, a mountain out of a molehill. Mate, I, I'm, I'm on board with you on that one. I, look, I, I, I basically said, was of the opinion that you can't force someone to do anything, but at the same time, if it's a requirement to play, well, okay, cool, mate. You don't want to get it done. Well, there's about 4 billion young fellas that's willing to take your spot. So, <laughs> you know, don't you worry, champ. There'll be someone to fill your spot. Um, yeah, exactly. But, and that's fine. Look, that's that's their choice. If that's their principle, then, hey, well, I would never begrudge them doing it. Like, it's it's fine. And when the season, you know, when all this stuff blows over, then fine, they can get back into it. But... Yeah. Anyway, but the other one though, the other this was this was a tremendous news story that I read about young Cody Walker. Um, he's he's gone to the police and he said, "Mate, I'm blame, I'm being blackmailed because someone's got a video of me kicking someone in the chest." Uh, so, and I, I saw it on the news tonight, and they're, they're talking about Cody Walker there. Uh, I, I don't know what the go is, but I mean. What, what's what would you do? Like, I mean, he goes and sees the police, but what's what's I don't even know. I don't even know what what the point of all of it is. Like, if you go to the police, you're getting ahead of the story, I guess. Yeah. Look, I don't know. Um, I read his side of it. Um, apparently, they were mourning the um, suicide of a family member. Um, brother was. I don't know whether he's acting out or what, but um, Cody said that he was protecting him um, and just wanted the situation to stop. Uh, so. You know, not a great situation for them to be in, but yeah, look, I think it's just all a little bit crazy. Like this is back in 2019, wasn't it? Uh, December last year this happened. So yeah, six months ago or so. 
Yeah, I. It's crazy. Why would you go to the cops now? Like things being sweat for a while. I don't know. Just doesn't make any sense. Well, mate, he, he certainly wanted the uh, the situation to end. That front kick that he gave this guy just sent him flying. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I was, I, I couldn't actually see Cody Walker's face, right? So I thought maybe it's not him. But then I saw the front kick and went, no, no, that's probably an NRL player. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but one bit of good news though that did come out, um, they're actually going ahead with the AFL, um, the the legends and the Hall of Fame. Um, and they're looking at Wayne Carey, I think, is going to be the next one. Coot, so do you reckon he's, he's a fair chance? Or? I I think he's uh, ever so controversial, Wayne Carey. Um, Wayne Carey, the AFL player, is obviously, if, you, if your field of um, evaluating someone as a potential Hall of Fame, then he's right up there with arguably one of the best centre-half forwards in mm. AFL. But then if everything off the field that he's gone through or been involved in, probably not so much. Um, I'll never forget the image. I think he was interviewing someone post-game and he had the the white ribbon on his chest, which was about uh, domestic violence and violence against women. And yes. I think that a couple of times he's been in trouble for glassing uh, his missus and, and, of course, the famous one of that kind of got him kicked out for football initially anyway when he was rolling around with his captain's wife. But He certainly uh, was. It's kind of, yeah, I mean, unless, so so Duck, the, the player, absolutely deserving, but whether or not they're the, of the area in which he gets evaluated for it, well, I guess time will tell. Well, there's a good question for next week, mate. Uh, let, let's have a look and, you know, see... Can you separate the off-field and the on-field? Because I can tell you, like, there's there's a lot of players that you sit there going, like, yep, they were... Yeah, but like, what, what point do they get to where they can do whatever they want off the field and you can still turn around and go, yeah, but he was good, though? Yeah, exactly right. Like, you can... Uh, but the, what makes you an amazing athlete will still get you into Hall of Fame, or Hall of Fame and then jail or fines or whatever else that happens off the field, and yet you can still get... Still get yourself in there. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a great question, though. Well, I reckon, you know, you, you could have, you know, the Hall of Fame for your sport and then Cootie's Wanker of the Week Hall of Fame. You know, like have a... Oh, he, oh, you know what I'm saying? He'd be a Hall of Fame Wanker of the Week if we, if, if we started this 15 years ago when podcasting and exist. He'd absolutely be made into it. Don't worry about that. 100%, 100%. Now, you, you guys were... You know, I'm not up with uh, all of the, the F1... Stuff like that's that's not my that's not my forte, but I did see some big news coming out of there, Bondi. Got Daniel Ricciardo going to McLaren, which I think is a fantastic. Um, gone from Red Bull to Renault the last couple of years, and now moved across to McLaren. Um, I think he's a fantastic driver. Maybe not the best in the field. Maybe not in the most competitive car. He's no Kenny Button, mate. <laughs> no, um, or, you know, Lewis Hamilton or, you know, he's not quite at that class, uh, but you give him a car that is there or thereabouts, um, and I think he's going to be competitive. He's going to see a lot of podiums uh, in 2021. He's going to be uh, a contender as long as McLaren can give him a reliable car um, and he doesn't have all these engine failures and that kind of stuff that he's been going through uh, with the Renault engines the last, what, five years now. So, uh, yeah, I think that'll be a real test to his ability. 
um, a true test. Uh, that's a, that's a fair point. I, I mean, I, I read through now. My, my favourite part about reading stories about F1 is the the language that the writers use is fantastic. They call the engine anemic. Now I don't know <laughs> what that means, but uh, to, to me, like if I'm anemic, I'm going to be knackered. So I'm guessing they must mean that it's not a like it, it just it just means that it's a tired old. It's a Honda engine they were talking about. Is that, is that like is that how that works? Uh, in the McLaren, it has been. Um... They went from Merck to Honda um, a couple of times, but now they're going back to Merck because Honda's been famously unreliable. Um, so, um, yeah, driving a Merck engine, uh, I think, yeah, it's definitely going to um, put him in a class above half the other field. So, um, yeah, reliable car, I feel, is coming his way. So, yeah, should be exciting to watch. I think the move to McLaren is very much to do with that uh, engine unit. So one apparently one of the factors he left Red Bull was Red Bull were making a switch from Renault to Honda. And as Bondi said, Honda had been just famously unreliable when they were in the McLaren uh, years prior to that. Went to Renault, didn't have the car that was really promised to him. Renault were, you know, on the improve. They're a massive team. They've got oodles of money. And again, didn't really give him the car that you felt they could have. Um, and then with science going to Ferrari and Vettel leaving Ferrari, um, I think getting him behind the wheel of, a, well, actually behind the wheel, but yet in front of uh, McLaren engine, I reckon it was a huge reason, or one of the main reasons he went to McLaren. Who'd, who'd been trying to sign him years ago? Years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, so when the decision to leave Red Bull came up, McLaren were definitely one of the teams that were pushing for him. The interesting thing in all this is um, he was Ricardo was wanting to, really wants to get into the Mercedes or Ferrari. You really can't win a, pre, uh, a premiership, a championship, unless you're in kind of one of those two cars. The funny thing is, is his move to Red Bull pushed Carlos Sainz into the McLaren. Now with Vettel leaving Ferrari and they've gone and poached Science from the McLaren has now opened up a seat that Ricardo goes into the McLaren. So it's it, it's the carousel of drivers continues, and we even haven't even had the first race of the 2020 season yet. Yeah, it, it's pretty nuts. I, I don't obviously I don't follow it as, as closely, but wasn't there another driver that Sainz? Is that his name? Yeah, Carlos Science Junior. Yeah, so that's the driver that's effectively well, wait, replaced his name, Vettel. His name's pronounced Science. Science. As in, like, as in the science of biology? Uh, no, no, it's science. I don't know how to explain how to pronounce someone's name. Sorry, dude. <laughs> Carlos Science cool. Jr., his dad is a famous um, World Rally Championship driver. Oh, good on him. And where did he go? So he replaced Vettel at Ferrari. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Is that good for him, or is that, I don't know? That, that's, that's huge for him. It, it's... Traditionally, Ferrari don't go for the younger driver. Um, they kind of took a leap of faith with um, the guy from Monaco, Charles Leclerc, the year before. He, he's the one who did the swap with Kimi Raikkonen. So Kimi oh. went from the Ferrari to the uh, now Alpha and vice versa. So um, Ferrari have kind of changed their ways dramatically. They've got, I think, Leclerc's 22 and Science is 25. So they, they've gone very young for their lineup. Gotcha. Jeez, there you go, eh? 
And uh, any other final points with the F1 guys? I, I, don't, I don't follow it, so if you guys got anything else, throw it in there. Not it. The, the only thing I'll be interested to see is where Vettel ends up at the end of the season. So he's still without a drive. So obviously LaFerrari, at the end, at the conclusion of this season, which hasn't yet kicked off, um, he's, he'll be leaving the Ferrari. So I'll be inter- interested to see where he goes. Yeah. Uncontracted. I'm going to make the call early. Ooh. So what, what, what do you think? What, what's going to happen to Vettel? I, who knows? I, I think the, the driver market at this point is, is way too unpredictable. Um, I, I can't see him going back into a Red Bull. And, yeah, I, I really – it is kind of the third best car out there. So, yeah, until all these um, new restrictions and technical um, technical change happens, I, yeah, who knows? It'd be interesting to see, though. Jeez, oh, I don't know. What, what, what's uncontracted mean, Bondi? Uh, without a car. All oh, right. So, but isn't Vettel like one of the best in the world? Four-time yeah, so world the champion. Love him. Uh, the Aussies yeah. hate him. All oh, right. Gotcha. Yeah. The, the, the Aussies hate him from the famous multi twenty-one that happened a few years ago, where he um, overtook Weber and was supposed to give the the place yeah. back to him and never did. And ever since then, it's kind of been a touchy subject. What a twat. Save your engine, Vettel. <laughs> no chance, champ. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I, mate, I, I've seen Ford versus Ferrari, mate, so I'm an expert now, all right? Um, but uh, just the last sad bit of news, unfortunately, a couple of weeks ago, we didn't get to cover it last week when, when it actually happened, was uh, Dom Schuler. He uh, he was long-time coach in the NFL, passed away, aged uh, in his 90s, so he had a good crack, but... Uh, He's one of the best coaches that's uh, that's ever lived. He basically popularised a stack of different uh, ways of doing things, Wildcats and whatnot. But he was um, he was a legend in Miami, um, and uh, he unfortunately passed away. But uh, I was I was pretty gutted to see that because he was a real big figure around the NFL. Yeah, this this was a bit of sad news. He famously led the '72 Dolphins on that undefeated season. Um, Bad luck to the Pats. He got there undefeated, but then lost in the Super Bowl. He um, got, uh, I think he went back to back and he won the following year as well. I can't remember, but he's still currently the most winningest coach in NFL history. I think Belichick will probably overtake him at some point, but um, yeah, it was sad to see Don Joe. Yeah, well, I think that Belichick's the only coach currently in the game that could actually even come close to him. Um, but I mean, like he, he coached the. This is how long he's been doing it for. He was coach of the Baltimore Colts, uh, and you know, I mean, they they that was back in '63 was when he started there. Um, but yeah, he was coach of the Miami Dolphins from 1970 to 1995, and uh, had a guest appearance in Ace Ventura. So you know, he's been around. Um, but uh, mate, he, he was a giant. But unfortunately, yeah, he, he passed away. So that was a, that was a real sad one I saw there. But anyways, but that was the last one. But um, I think the the next thing, actually, uh, look at it, teams now. I mean, Miami is a team, I think, now that has plenty of excuses, but there's lots of teams that don't have any excuses. Uh, we want to look at those ones. How's, how was that, Coots? On a score of 1 to 10, how was the, uh, the transition? That was beautiful, mate. That's solid 10 right there. Solid 10, solid 10. But uh, now we're looking at teams that have no excuses this year. I mean, apart from, obviously... You know, global pandemic. But outside of that, uh, <laughs> that's a minor, minor, minor thing. 
But uh, we, I, I know I've got a couple of teams that I, I can think of. Um, but Bondi, have you got a have you got a team up your sleeve, mate, that you can that you can think has no excuse this year to lose? You there, mate? Oh, we've lost Bondi. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, there he is. Uh, I'm back. <laughs> um, yeah, the Cowboys are the um, the team that I'm going to say. North Queensland Cowboys, not the um, the other ones. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it went down in the first couple of games, but, I mean, they've basically been handed a warm-up game. Um, they've got a lot of depth uh, in their side. Uh, they've had plenty of time to train together. Um, get back on the same page. So um, I'm going to say this season, if they're not, you know, in the finals, then you know, it, I, de- I don't want to, don't want to see them. <laughs> but um, for NFL, um, and this is going to be my early uh, Super Bowl pick as well. It's going to be the Seahawks. Um, I just like the look of them. Uh, they've been there or thereabouts. Um, they're featured um, in the um, postseason eight out of the last ten years. Um, so I'd like to see them go that step further and um, actually win the Super Bowl. But we'll see how they go. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. With the Cowboys, they lost JT, but they've had so many things come through for them now. I agree with you there. I don't think they've got much of an excuse either. Um, the Seahawks. I, I could probably give him a break. I could give him a break. Um, but at the same time, I, I still think that they've got Russell Wilson, for God's sake, and they've got a, they, they don't have the Legion of Boom anymore, but they've got Pete Carroll. He's a great, uh, great coach. So, hell, I don't know. They, they've got some pretty good weapons around. So, I, 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 I really, they, they should, they should have a team that's talented enough to go that far. But, yeah, I don't know. The, the Kansas City Chiefs might say something else about that, but we'll see how we go. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bondi, Bondi's Nostradamus. Look at yeah. And Kuti, Kuti, who have you got? The teams that you feel have no excuse this year. Well, my NFL teams, obviously the Chiefs, um, reigning Super Bowl champion. They, uh, let's face it, they haven't gotten any worse in the off season. Um, they haven't really. I, I've just looked at who's who have they lost and then who have they got to either replace or get better. Um, and the Chiefs. They, they've just gone to strengths to strength. The other one for me was the Baltimore Ravens. They've kind of bowed out really early in playoffs the last couple of years, and Lamar Jackson, that quarterback, has just been insane. Um, Harbaugh, the coach, has kind of got him just have a really unique team in the way that they are, are, are truly a run-first team, which is kind of a you know a throwback. It's an old-school way, but um, the Ravens, I've looked at who they've lost in the offseason, and the only real big name that sticks out to me is Michael Pierce. They go and get Derek Wolf from um, the Broncos to replace him straight away, and then they go get Calais Campbell as well. So they've added depth straight away at the one position they kind of lost a little bit on. Um, and then they go and draft Patrick Queen, who's going to be an absolute stud in the middle of linebacker. And then they, they still add depth to because they're going to be a very big running team. And they've got Ingram in the backfield already. Lamar Jackson runs the ball a lot. And then they go out and they draft um, J.K. Dobbins, who's he, a beast all through his college career. So they, I, they just go from strength to strength. The little weakness they've lost, they've more than replaced. 
And, um, I mean, it was shocked the way that I think it was Tennessee ran all over them uh, oh, in yeah, the playoffs last it. year. That was insane. So I, I can't see that happening again. Um, I threw in a little AFL one. Like at Richmond, they're going to have the advantage. So COVID makes things a little bit interested for the non-Victorian teams especially. Um, Richmond, they've kind of haven't got haven't lost anyone and they haven't really got anyone over the off-season. But again, reigning um, – Reigning, reigning premiers, so they're going to be right up there. And the other one I thought was the West Coast Eagles. So yes, yes COVID is going to you know impact that. They're going to be playing out of the Gold Coast. So effectively, until all this blows over, they're going to be playing away. I get that. They hadn't really lost anyone over the off season, and then they go and get a Brownlow Medal favourite in Josh Kelly to plug into that already insane midfield. I can't see them. Like they've they've got to be up there if they don't make. If I nearly said Super Bowl, if they don't make definitely finals, definitely top four, they've got to be a, a short price favourite for the flag this year. Oh, a hundred percent, mate. I completely agree with you there on those ones. Um, I think, yeah, you're right. Baltimore and Kansas, they're they're going to be powerhouses this year, and of course, um, yeah. When, when we look at at Richmond and West Coast, I, I hate them both purely because, of the <laughs> there, mate, and uh, and it, it's it's it, it still hurts my soul. Um, the, you know, we, we lost the West Coast and everything like that. But look, I think actually this year for me, like, I know it's a home pick for me, but the Pies have no excuse this year. They've got bugger all injuries. They've got everything set up. They, they're an East Coast team. They've got uh, good continuity. I mean, they've got superstars ready to go. There is no excuse for them this year if they don't go all the way and win, or at least like if they come out of the top four again. Um, mate, that'll be a disappointment for me. But look, the, the team though, the, the biggest one, and it's probably a really easy one to pick for it because they have no excuse, is the Cleveland Browns. And the reason I say that is because they have a first round quarterback that they drafted. That they've got the probably a, a, they've upgraded their offensive line. They have a ridiculous receiving core. They have a hardcore defense. I mean, for Christ's sake, mate, if they don't if they don't win like get into the finals and have at least a winning season for the first time in like shit. I think it's like thirteen years or something, or twelve. I think so. It's oh eight or something crazy like that. Like then uh, it'll. It, I just don't think that Cleveland should ever exist anymore if they don't. It, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like I just can't see that. Like it, it, it's just it's just nuts. But look, and then the other thing as well that has no excuse this year that I think should just be able to be on top by now. Um, is probably the Australian cricket team. Um, I think that we've got basically everyone back firing all cylinders and we should be able to basically crush anyone and everyone um, in in the world. Basically, we should be back to number one for all formats. I can't see an excuse as to why um, we wouldn't because we've got the best batsmen in the world, we've got the best bowlers in the world. I mean, for Christ's sake, why are we not on top right now? I don't know. But anyway, we'll get there. So those are the teams that I feel have no excuse. But did you guys have any others? No, I've got to agree with you with the Australian cricket team. Um, I think with Justin Langer at the helm, um, he's very down the line. Um, he's got a very good head for the game. Uh, so I think any cultural issues that have happened in the past um, are definitely gone. Uh, I think they've gone with a really good squad um, and really consistent players. So they've gotten rid of the, you know, the five percenters, the 10 percenters um, and gone, I hate to say it, but more money ball 
um, with those players that are going to pay off um, throughout the season rather than one or two good performances. Um, yeah, I think I think consistency is key, and I think Australia's got it now. Yeah, no, that, that's that's exactly what I thought too, mate. Exactly right. That's that's uh, a very good point to make. I think they you're better off having that consistent performance because that's what you need. I mean, if you're looking at a 2020 match, maybe a little bit different, but for a test match or one day, that's what you need, and that's the biggest format. Um, but yeah, so that, that's the main one. Coots, have you got any others? Uh, no, tip of my tongue was the cricket team as well, believe it or not. It just, <laughs> everything that you guys have said, 100% would agree with. Like it's, I think now's the time. Uh, absolutely. It looks to be the best team that they've put forward in the last few years. Noting that we had the, um, the famous, um, sandpaper incident, sandpaper probably put it back a little bit when you take, you know, two of the probably five best batsmen in the world out of, out of the one team. It obviously hurts. So I, I think now back, um, Anything but top of the top of the ranking seems to almost be that disappointment. So we'll see how we go. Hundred percent. Well, mate, great minds think alike. Uh, that's, that's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna call it. But uh, some people that may not have such a great mind are the people that make us all start uh, going up these sports. Now we, we were talking about it a little bit throughout the last couple of weeks, and with all these sports starting back up, the first one, I mean, the one that never seemed to really stop was horse racing. I mean, I bug it if I know how they managed to keep things going, but good on them. Um, but then you look at things like um, the UFC. Uh, they've they've just had their second their second round of fights. That's just happened. Uh, I think it was just the end of last week, from off the top of my head. Um, and then there's also obviously the NRL and AFL kicking off again. And I think rugby union isn't far off as well. They're still in talks, but they're not far off. But what, what do you reckon? What, what are your thoughts on on basically whether like what's going to happen? Like are they are they insane for wanting to start things back up at the moment? Mate, for mine, I think uh, it is a necessity driven by money. So these sports are looking at the dollar, looking at the risk, and going, we need to get these players back on the park. We need to start generating revenue um, for these clubs to survive, particularly the smaller clubs. Um, NRL has made a couple of controversial calls going back to one ref, um, Oh, that was another bit of news I forgot to talk about. That's true. Yeah, for the example, it just comes off the top of my head. But um, I think risk in Australia at the moment is pretty low. Victoria's had a fair few cases spike uh, with the COVID front. Um, But hopefully they get on top of that pretty quickly. But, I mean, we're down under 600 cases, active cases in Australia. Numbers are going down. So, you know, we're heading in the right direction with it. It was a matter of time before everything got back up and running. Uh, so, yeah, I think now's an appropriate time to pull the trigger. Uh, I would have liked to see the restrictions ease and how that affected the public first, um, but definitely revenue-driven. Um, and I think risk versus reward as far as clubs go, uh, it's the right call. That's fair. Cootsie, what are your thoughts, mate? Uh, I concur with Bond. I like, you understand that this is, we can't escape the fact that this is money driven. Uh, it is the highest, especially if you're looking at AFL, it's the highest level that you can play it. There's billions of dollars, I'm assuming, that are involved in it. Same thing with overseas. You look at like, um, one of my favorite leagues purely because of the name, the, um, German soccer, the, the Bundesliga, um, is kicking off as well. 
Um, same thing with Italy. So all these um, industries essentially is what they are. They have billions of dollars of revenue depending upon it. And then if simply there's no money there, then those smaller clubs are going to crash and burn. The Bundesliga has an interesting thing, uh, interesting aspect to it because of I think they're towards the end of their season. I can't quite remember, but there's teams that are um, obviously in danger of relegation and falling down to the second tier team or second tier league. So mm-hmm. if they don't get the games played, they're in danger of that relegation, which means less TV, which means less money. So you can't escape the fact that this is all driven by money. Um, the sports that have come back, you can understand the ones that have, like UFC, it's two dudes in an octagon with a ref in the immediate vicinity in terms of close contact. You have the support staff and that at the kind of next barrier. You can take the fans out, that's fine. AFL, a bit harder because you've got 44 dudes running around on Noble plus umpires plus ground staff plus coaches. So um, there's logistically more that has to be put in place before these can come back. And then you, on the most extreme versions, when you have leagues that involve other countries, and Formula One is obviously the one that springs to my mind, when you have teams that are based in other countries that then travel to 22 different race tracks or 22 different countries effectively, um, and then having to logistically battle all the different restrictions. So in AFL, we're talking about the... Queensland restrictions versus the WA restrictions and the Premier saying, no, we're not going to support our footy team essentially is what um, the Premier has said. And yet in Formula One, you've got countries. Uh, I can't imagine what that would look like logistically to try and get an a, uh, an, a Formula One season started. So I think as a fan, it's really good to see because um, so myself has been working remotely from home for the last few weeks, seeing football on TV again will put a bit more normality into the day. I have something to look forward to on the weekends again. So as a fan, I think it's an awesome move. And I think people that after being isolated for however long are just desperate to see sport back on TV. So I think it's a great move. So long as, And you assume that all the due diligence has been done in terms of player safety and then um, community safety and all the measures have been put in place i can't wait to see football or any sport back 100 percent. no look I, I don't disagree with anything you guys have said there for sure i mean the the the, the money's a big aspect i mean if, if you expand it out to tv rights the, the clubs getting the money from the tv uh, agreements that was the biggest part with the nrl because they are hopelessly poorly managed in the finance but uh, afl's not as bad but still it's not that great but rugby union is horrendous as well it's bloody awful those are I feel for the for the players in particular and all the sports staff. Um, but look, I, I think it, it's it's good for it to come back. But I mean, the big thing you, you touched on it there is is just uh, player safety, the safety for everyone involved. And I think with the UFC, they tested everyone up the wazoo. One guy tested positive, um, so he he was not allowed to fight. He was not allowed to participate. So that that fight was cancelled off the card. Um, so that that sort of thing is all you need, really need to be doing, and I think that um, it's pretty nuts with the AFL what they're doing um, because they're saying everyone has to be tested, which is that's fine, that, that's a really good thing I think. But on top of that, the restrictions that they're about to be given is they're not allowed to go and sit at cafes, they're not allowed to be travelling, they're not allowed to be. There's a whole big range of things that they're just not allowed to do. Um, as part of their contracts, and I think the NRL is similar. I'm not sure what the NRL is doing if it's as 
uh, as stringent as what the AFL is doing, but the AFL is putting a stack of rules in place. But I think that's the key, um, is just to basically make sure that uh, I guess everyone's just not going to not going to spread a stack of, you know, deadly virus everywhere, basically. That's that's the main thing. Uh, and, I mean, if these guys are properly controlled, then go hell for leather. I mean, it, the, let's face it, the, 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 the big money is not in tickets anymore. I mean, that generates money, don't get me wrong. Like, the, the, um, I think the NFL was saying that it works out to be a couple of billion dollars a year in ticket revenue. But, I mean, to a couple of billion dollars, and that's across the entire NFL, versus, you know, if you look at, say, Australian sport, which there's nowhere near the amount of money as it is in the NFL, so you'd imagine there'd be some money in it. But, I mean, compared to what Fox Sports pays to, you know, just have the TV on, I mean, that's a couple of billion bucks a year per sport. You know, it, it's just, you know, and that's Australian sport. So, you know, it's not, uh, it, it's just not not the same deal, I guess. So the, it's just, it's I find it uh, it's sad to be, and this is a bit of an economy rant, forgive me, but uh, basically the fact that everything's just propped up on debt, that's the biggest problem, um, I think, is that everything is propped up on debt. It's not real money. So that's that's half the problem with what's going on, is that the NRL <laughs> is just laden with debt, and it's it's lucky to still be even going. Um, so, I mean, you know, you look at even even things, crazy things like tourism for sport, I mean, that's another big thing as well that's going to you know have a lot of money that goes into it. I mean, Virgin, bloody, they just did the due diligence and it owes some obscene amount of money, like billions of dollars to, so, to thousands of creditors all over the place. So you're like, Jesus. You wonder what, what if you looked at the books of these of the sporting places, like, what would you find? The skeletons in the closet. Yeah, mate, I completely agree. Um, and we talked about this a few weeks ago um, about the NRL being in a really good financial place back in... Uh, 2007 through 11 or something like that. Uh, yep. And then there was something like $7 million in the black. Uh, and then they disbanded that because, uh, who knows, um, gave money to the clubs. Uh, and everyone's basically pissed it up against the wall. Um, and here we are um, forcing a season uh, to kick off again because of poor financial management. So, uh, yeah, on board with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm I'm super stoked to see sport come back. I just I just think that the reasoning behind it and the obvious uh, just crap that they went through with, um, you know, just the the justification of, well, we've got no money, so we have to like keep doing it is just dumb. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> But, but anyway, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But, um, well, was there any other points you had on, uh, on those teams, uh, on just sports that are kicking back off? I, I can't think of another one that's, that's apart from horse racing, which I, I haven't figured out how they managed to keep going the entire time, but they did. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got nothing. UFC well, blows my mind, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's just two men sweating all over each other, no big deal. Um, <laughs> All right, now let, let's have a look, Kusi. Uh, you, you, we touched on it earlier, mate. The wanker of the week. Who have you got for us? So the, this one, I couldn't, I couldn't believe. I still actually stole this off the the real Dan Patrick show, and just listened in amazement when he read out this story to me. And I, I couldn't believe it. So this is uh, NFL player L. Thomas. He's a safety for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, baseline up front, Thomas was held at gunpoint by his wife after she found him cheating 
on him, well, cheating on him with another woman, obviously. Um, the story unfolds that uh, Earl Thomas's wife, Nina, they had a fight early in the day. Um, a short time later, later, Nina decided to check up on Earl after the fight. And I, I don't know how it exactly worked, but got onto his Snapchat and found a video of Earl with another lady. Um, <laughs> she then used the app to track down where he was. Um, called up her girlfriends, that was a little bit racial, I'm sorry, and they went, they found out that he was um, at a and b like eight miles down the road, so she uh, rounded up her girls and went down to confront him and just, I don't know if it's just your thought process or something, but essentially she grabbed his pistol, grabbed his gun, and um, uh, according to police, she was going to use it to scare him. Um, anyway, so she crashed in on Earl at this B&B who, and this is where it gets a little bit weird because, um, he was found basically in an orgy with his brother. Whoa. So when they arrived at the, um, the B&B, they found Earl was with his brother naked in a bed with like a bunch of women. Slightly creepy. Um, At that point, Nina uh, pulled the gun and held it to Elle's head. Um, She later told police she took the magazine out, thinking that the gun wouldn't be able to fire. Um, Cops later told her that, well, cops later said that Nina was unaware that she had actually chambered around and the safety was off. (laughs) Um, Which just is a whole other discussion about um, gun control that we no one has time to get, you know, dive down that rabbit hole. That's Essentially, um, Nina was, oh, mate, yeah. Uh, police arrested Nina and the three, and the two girls that was with her for burglary, burglary of a resident with the intent to commit aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. <laughs> the, the, the real, so um, this is a little bit of, of last week. Who was the bigger wanker? Was it Earl for cheating or is it the, the, the um, the, the wife pulling a gun and holding it to his head, which could have been a whole other story. This could have gone south really, really easily. Um, when, when Earl found out from his publicist that this was going to be all over TMZ or anything, he, he put out a post on social media, and I will paraphrase, but I just think this quote is amazing. Um, so he put out a statement saying, stuff like this happens, bro. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't, mate. No, I've never, I've never had that happen to me. I'm going to be honest, mate. Um, I'm the same age. We're, we're, I'm the same age as Earl, so we're both 31. Um, and uh, I can tell you that I've never had uh, been caught in an orgy um, and had a nine millimeter Beretta pulled on me. <laughs> Just it's going to be honest. It's amazing. I had to. I replayed this when I heard it again. Then I googled it, and I'm like, this is amazing. Which just starts another little conversation because I was just thinking before we went on here of like we get that there's no sport and COVID's taken over the world. So all these athletes that would normally be in training or playing are just that they're just getting into trouble. But you compare what's happened in the NRL. We had the two blokes that went out dirt bike riding and then posted it on social media. And then old mate Anzac Day did virtually the same thing. We've got, apart from Lockie Hunter, who got in a lot of trouble for drink driving and plowing into all those cars. Yeah. The difference between what the NFL guys are doing, because this is on the back of a report of two two other NFL players who um, yeah. 
I had an armed robbery of a poker match as well. Just the contrast between what's happening here in Australia for our guys getting in a bit of trouble compared to what's happening in America is just, if you're a coach getting that phone call, you take the the idiot um, having a few party and posting on social media versus the disgruntled wife holding her husband at gunpoint, basically. (laughs) Mate, I'd take, uh, I'd I'd take, um, you know, Mate, you shouldn't be not social distancing like that, okay? Do it better next time. Good, all right, that's it. That's <laughs> you bang on, bang on, eh? Uh, but, mate, I'm actually going to add in, if I may, just uh, a, a, an extra. Like, so you, you've got you've got Earl Thomas and you've got uh, his wife, uh, mm-hmm. as uh, Nina, as the two possible wankers, right? But I've actually got two more that can actually be added into this, right? Okay, so yeah. It's, yeah, right, so it's Kamisha and Kayla. They're the two women who went with Nina and were also arrested. They're just the two friends that were just there to support her. and uh, But they got arrested for burglary of the residence as well. So I think that they may be in a, a candidate for being the biggest wakers. This this speaks volume to bystander behaviour, doesn't it? Mm, 100%. Like if you're going with your mate, you're like, I think my partner's cheating on me. And, and the thought of maybe let's not take the gun doesn't yeah. come into <laughs> anyone's train of thought whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> we can't just like sit down and have a rational conversation like Earl, mate, it's it's not a good idea to be cheated on me. Okay? I don't appreciate it. I I'm a strong independent woman. I don't need to be with you anymore. That's it. That's what needed to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, this could have gone so many different ways, but I, I oh. but there you go. Maybe the wanker is is the the the, the two girls that helped her that no one thought to just let's just leave the gun at home. Yeah, the, the two friends... It's a bit cold. Grab anything. a jacket, it's cold. I get yeah. that. Or it's, it's hot yeah, in America, cool. but whatever. But, you know, it's not, oh, I've got to grab my purse. It's not, I'm going to grab the nine mil Beretta out of the top drawer beside my bed before we go. Well, there's actually one one thing that you that I've just, I've just read about this story. When police arrived at 3.41 a.m., they found Nina Thomas with a knife and chasing Earl, who had the gun. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is one of the most interesting stories I've read so far. It's amazing. So look, I'm going to say I'm going to say they are they are uh, together because they are a married couple. They are the wankers of the week. Is that, that is that fair? Like there's a combined effort. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Bondo, who, who would you who would you pick, mate? Like if you had to pick out of this tirade. Yeah, I'm, it's unanimous. It's the married couple, for sure. I mean, obviously Earl, if he hadn't have put something where it didn't belong, uh, this wouldn't have been a story. But you know, <laughs> the snowball effect has just become monstrous and uh, very entertaining. So thanks for that one, Cousy. That's awesome. <laughs> No worries, mate. <laughs> that, that's probably that's probably up there with the best wankers of the week you've gone, mate. That's that's got to be right up there. Oh, I appreciate that. Cheers, bro. Oh, mate, uh, oh, mate, Earl Thomas giving you some material. Good on him. Bondi, <laughs> uh, well, no, mate. Uh, speaking of material, uh, obscure sport. Did you have one for us? I do, and it's not really obscure because it's worldwide. Um, I've gone for bull riding, uh, so. For me, obscure as in what possesses a person to strap themselves to a thousand kilos of angry, horny, horny, that was bad, 
horned meat. <laughs> <laughs> that adds a whole other element to bull riding. That's, that, that's the bull riding you make. I don't what know. bull riding are you watching? <laughs> that was, uh, yeah. <laughs> Horned mate, yep. Okay, all right. Um, Let's get back on track. That's going to be hard to come back from. (laughs) What possesses someone to strap themselves to a bull is uh, my question. Uh, And I looked into it. It started in Mexico. Where else, really? Uh, Back in the 16th century, as basically a a farming challenge. Um, And then didn't really take off. Went to... Um, Texas and from there, uh, worldwide, obviously. Um, but these lads don't even get paid that much. So if you win, you're looking at 14k for an event where you're riding two to three bulls. Um, so the world number one and $267,000, uh, from 19 events. What? Yeah. When you consider the, again, you're going to be in an arena with an angry bull weighs a ton, uh, probably with horns. The risk of injury, you know, career-ending stuff, and it's not like this is going to give you any skills. You're not going to go into commentating or anything like that. <laughs> like, what? I don't understand what gets people interested in this sport. Um, I love to watch it, don't get me wrong. I'm, yeah, I'm not participating by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, paying peanuts, getting monkeys, um, I just think it's insane. Man, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I, like, I'd never actually thought of it from that element before because, I mean, when you look at bull riding, it is just a ridiculous idea. I mean, they do running of the bulls in Spain, all that sort of crazy stuff. Like, who in their right mind goes, you know what? That big giant thing over there that could stampede me to death. This sounds like a good idea, but uh, but uh, it, it's the same thing, I guess. It's like you know, asking someone why they would strap themselves into a car, go around in circles for hours on end at two hundred k an hour. Like it doesn't, you know, it, it's it's just another one of those just insane things that people do. But the thing is, this is the part that I didn't know was that these guys get paid bugger all. That's the difference. <laughs> like if I'm if I'm if I'm going to be racing around a track, these guys get millions. Well, that's right, and it's. You know, man versus man. So basically, you're competing against another person in a race. You know, with boxing, you know, it's you know, trying to knock the other person out, trying to win the fight. This, you're competing against a bull for eight seconds, and mm. you've got to do it with the most class. So, mm. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. The the only thing that I could really compare it to was skydiving where you stuff your shoot in you go up in a plane you jump out you know and i'm like who would want to do that there's no i i've done it i've done skydiving my dad was a bull rider my family like cousins have got breed rodeo bulls so you know i've been involved in everything but i just don't understand it no, I man, but I, I, I get you that. I mean, it's, it's basically, 
Well, I mean, gravity for skydiving or a bully <laughs> or, or what, what, whatever it might be, you, you can't negotiate with it. That's the thing. If I'm, if I'm up against another person, there is some element of, of sportsmanship or manners or whatever, anything. It's just however you look at it. There's rules, there's, there's a referee, whatever. In bull riding, what you've got a rodeo clown, some dude dressed up like a, with a bunch of colorful wigs on. I mean, Jesus, that's not like, you know, you're actually you're relying on a clown to save your life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you're, you're relying, but actually, there's there is a, a, a uh, an element of, of similarity between skydiving and uh, the rodeo is you've got some colourful piece of cloth that's going to try and save your life. Like that's that's just it just doesn't make a great deal of sense. Cootsie, what are you, you're the resident psychologist. What what do you think? Oh, yeah, thanks for throwing me in the bus, Emma. I I, <laughs> I can understand if there is money involved i'm sure there is money but somehow because these i'm looking at it, some of these and they're selling out stadiums and like the pbr tour in the states is like the pinnacle of it and you would assume that these guys would be making some serious coin every event um it, the, the fact that they're not i just always assume that well there's, there has to be money involved in it. One yeah, of the main reasons anyone or people do anything. The fact that there is very little money in it, and the fact that there's probably, I'm thinking of all sports, things that are the a the most terrifying, and you're fairly likely to be injured and or well, injured and or killed. But there's a very high chance of injury in this, and there's a very high chance of dying. Mm. Um, you include motor racing and all that stuff. These guys wear nothing to protect themselves. They've got what looks like a, a vest that, if, if it, the bull stamps on you, it, it's doing jack shit to protect you. Half of them don't even wear helmets. They've still got the cowboy hats on. I'm just like, yeah, eight seconds seems like a short time, but I just, I'm amazed at some of these guys. And, and then looking at the injuries from it. It's just insane. Terrific, mate. It's horrific. Mate, that 14K that Bondi was talking about, that guy won before, mate, that'd be lucky to cover his bloody medical bills, let alone anything else. Well, that's the other yeah. thing, too. Like, the, the two things that come to my mind is is what kind of welfare does the... I, I can't imagine there's too many old, retired, professional bull riders. <laughs> and what... I've been and, for 45 years, and I'm perfectly <laughs> healthy. Exactly. And um and what happens to the bulls? Do they just eat them at the end? Like when they're retired, they got the pasture and or a stud oh. farm or something, make little bulls and then eat them. Like <laughs> I don't know. it's always weird when there's a sport that's so like motor racing has the cars that's kind of the other competitor and everything. But this is kind of and I get you're going against the next rider, but in a sense it's just you against the bull versus someone else versing someone else in a ball. So it's, yeah, it's a strange dynamic. And the fact that it's, like, I get that it's popular and people, because you would watch it if it was on TV or you could go see it and pay a dollar for it. You'd go watch these guys get absolutely shit whipped by bulls. 100%. <laughs> but that's that, that doesn't give me motivation to jump on a ball and do it. No, so, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I've yeah. just pulled this up. Two-time world champion, uh, most highest career earnings of any rider has earned just over seven million dollars. That's the best they got. Seven million. Seven million dollars. Career earnings. Career earnings of just over seven million dollars, and he's 
the highest paid bull rider of all time. Right. Some Spanish punts gets paid $50 million a year to go and kick a little round ball around. I mean, for God's sake, that's insane. $7 million, That's and that's the best they've got. That means that their pleb bull riders are probably making like ten grand a year or something, like nothing. Yeah. So, like, when you're looking at an average of $14,000 per event, um, you know, I'd... I don't know how many events are in a season. Um, but, I mean, you're riding for a long time to get up to the, you know, $7 million mark. Otherwise, you're getting sponsorship through the wazoo. But, yeah. again, what's your career path after riding bulls? You're going to be busted up, injured, you know, mosing around in a wheelchair. Like... Well, yeah. it's not like they have a college system where you get a degree to become a, you know, a professional bull rider. Like, it doesn't happen that way, I guess. Like, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I really, I wouldn't have it. Maybe become a farmer, I guess. Like, some kind of thing. Like, like <laughs> well, I don't know, man. But that's, it's tough. But that, that's a real good sport. Like, that's, that's the whole, I, I hadn't even considered that one as a, as a, as a sport. Cause I mean, I've seen it on TV plenty of times and I've been, I've been to heaps of rodeos and stuff, but. Good Lord. Anyway, but that's a good one. Well, all right, look, I think we're, we're going to be cutting it pretty close to the to the hour mark, but why don't we spend the last few minutes and uh, we talk about, uh, we pick a, like the, our top five, or top three, we'll go top three, favourite sports movies uh, of all time. We'll finish off on that. So, uh, Cootie, start us off. Uh, top three? Yeah. Um, so, you, you actually t- touched on it before, Ford versus Ferrari. I had kind of an equal third place for Ford versus Ferrari, uh, as well as, or slash Rush, the movie Rush. Um, just because the, the story Ford versus Ferrari is a great one. If you haven't, like the movie's done really well, but the story behind the movie itself is actually a brilliant story. Um, and Rush is the, the famous story, um, of, uh, Formula One back in the seventies of Nicky Lauda versus, um, I forgot the other guy now. That's yeah. terrible. No, it was an English guy. It's going to do my head in. Anyway, we'll come back to it. Um, second place, I had the James Hunt. James Hunt, that's the one. Sorry, yeah. So, party boy James Hunt. I should have known that. Um, second place, I had the fighter. So, the, the Mickey Ward story. So, that's mm. the Mark Wahlberg, Christian Bale. Good one. Um, so, again... Uh, a true, true kind of underdog boxing story. It's, it's kind of got everything. It's got, you know, Wahlberg ripped. It's got Christian Bale as a drug addict. Um, he's got an insane family. It's, it's a really good story itself. But the number one for me, and it's probably in relation to watching a lot of The Last Dance. And yeah. if I think of movies that um, have impacted my life the most that are sporting related, it's got to be Space Jam. Oh mate, you, you, you've you've stolen me thunder. You've stolen me thunder. <laughs> I just when I think of that movie, I'm back to a kid in the lounge room, like reciting lines to my mother about this amazing movie that's got two of the biggest childhood influences in my life in Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes. Bill Murray. Oh no, I'll Bill Murray as well. You throw Bill Murray in there, like. Mate, it, it was sensational. You're absolutely right. It, it is. It is. I've watched the movie a thousand times. It's just nuts. Like it's. It's such a good one. That that is a great pick for number one. Uh, Bondi, mate. What's uh, what's your top three? 
Uh, so I've gone for Mystery Alaska as number three, uh, just because I think it's a bit funny, um, based obviously in Alaska around ice hockey. Uh, number two, I've gone for, um, uh, geez, I've just pulled a blank. Uh, we'll come back to that one. But number one for me was <laughs> a league of their own. So, um, basically a baseball movie, um, Females of the Stars of the Show. I've uh, got Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, Madonna. Um, yeah, just a great movie, um, a war movie. So I really enjoyed that. Watched it way too many times as a kid. Um, but, yeah, did enjoy it. And number two? What's your number two? Yeah, come back to it. All right, all right. Well, look, for, for me... Uh, look, I went, um, three overall was semi-pro, um, the Will Farrell movie, basketball. <laughs> I just absolutely love the movie. I just love it. Moon, that's a great one. Yes, yeah. E-L-E. Everybody love everybody. <laughs> it's just got so many one-liners in it. It is. I traded our washing machine to get him. <laughs> God damn it for kindness, learn English. <laughs> uh, it, it's just brilliant, man. It, it has, I, I love the movie. It's, it's absolutely sensational. I'm, it's, it's my favourite, 100%. Um, now, I'm probably going to steal Bondi's second one here, but it's my number two as well, which is Moneyball. Um, I, I loved Moneyball. I thought that um, it was I'm – not, I'm not even a huge um, baseball kind of guy, but it's just it, – the movie itself explained a lot to me about it, and apparently it's quite accurate with how things work and, and, um, and just how good the, the whole thing was. I loved how they explained it all. It was a different approach, and it was it's just brilliant. I was a big fan of it, and uh, I thought they did a really good job of that movie. Um, and then, but number one for me was Southpaw. Um, it was another boxing movie. Um, it was along the lines of Fighter, but this one was um, it was Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, it had uh, Forrest Whitaker in it. Um, it was great. I was a massive fan of it. Um, it was you know had had a big cheesy ending to it, where the where the you know the boxer you know had the the full circle and. You know, got his daughter back and did the right things and became a whole new man. And but I loved it. I thought it was an underdog movie. I was, he stuffed his life up and then became and then saved himself again. I thought it was brilliant. Um, oh, that was that's probably my favourite movie, sports movie of all time. Um, for me, honourable mention though, um, I'd have to say Trouble with the Curve, Clint Eastwood movie. Love that great one. Great movie. Uh, great movie. Great movie. Big fan of that one. And probably Coach Carter. Coach Carter's up there with with. That's almost like I I was I would be hard pressed to not put that in my top three as well. Yeah, nice. Um, so my number two is Remember the Titans, and I feel so bad for forgetting the title of that movie. Ironic. <laughs> <laughs> that is the very <laughs> definition of ironic, isn't it? <laughs> um, oh, and my honourable mention is. The Longest Yard, um, Adam oh, Sandler. The Longest Yard, great one. I forgot, there's Adam Sandler version, right? Not the Burt Reynolds version. Yeah, well, Burt Reynolds is in both of them. Oh, true. Actually, that's a good point. That's right. I think he coached in the second one, wasn't he? There you go. That's fair. Now, that, that's that's cracker. There, there's so many of them that were so good. Like, there was obviously all the Rocky movies, Foxcatcher. I mean, good God, there's so many of them that, that are just outstanding. I mean, like, any given Sunday, my God, Goon. There's another one. That's uh, <laughs> great. Oh, they're sensational. There's so many of them that, that I just, I'm, I'm a massive fan of them. But those are those are my favourites. So I, I couldn't go past. I mean, Dodgeball, another great one. <laughs> Alan Tigger Knights. Like, there's all these ones that I, I, I can't even remember. I can't believe I've forgotten half of them. But 
they're brilliant. Um, but yeah, big fan, big fan. But all right, lads, that's uh, that'll do us for today. We've cracked the hour mark. We did well with that one. But um, I'll just quit. I'll just. Uh,